Hey, and welcome back to Systems Within Systems Presents, The Way of Violent Realization. We mentioned wanting to talk about change today. Um, so, Ben, how do we begin to realize the difference between positive and negative changes? You know, beyond the obvious stuff like stop smoking cigarettes or don't drink so much. You know, beyond the obvious stuff, how do we begin to recognize a positive change when it when it comes our way all right um there's a number of things that go into it uh the first thing is a lot of the stuff that you're talking about from a material perspective stopping drinking for your health uh you know exercising more that type of habit those are those are overall good things but on the whole when you're looking at like a changing your perception or, or modifying how you view things around you, you may not want to necessarily lump them into the categories of positive and negative. Because some things you may view as positive, like let's say winning the lottery, that might end up destroying you because you may not be ready for it. There's all these things that go along with any sort of major change in your life. So let's say tomorrow one of us gets our quote-unquote dream job and we're doing what we always felt we wanted to do um, there's all these material and social repercussions that go along with it um, so you know your dream job may be in let's say San Francisco so you have to leave your family you have to leave your girlfriend you have to leave your favorite fishing spots and there's only, oh, they'll be fishing in San Francisco. I'll just assume my girlfriend will come with me. And she goes, no, my family's here. And you go, oh. So you'll be doing exactly what you want in one facet of your life. But there's all these other things that come into that, that decision, that change. And, the, I mean, even if you win the lottery. Um, because there's this, there's this view, especially with the lottery, that you didn't do anything to earn this money. You've just been given money by whether the universe or the state. doesn't matter. The point is, your friends and your family and the people that kind of know you, we're like, hey, man, you've got money. Let's hang out. <laughs> Buy me things. And you're like, but, but, but I won the money. And you're like, yeah, but you didn't do anything for it. And there's a much different viewpoint, at least in, in my experience, that when someone starts a company, and even if they've become very, very successful, because they've worked for that money, they don't expect people to, they don't ask for handouts quite nearly as much. So there's all these repercussions that come with any sort of change. And you have to be prepared for what's coming. And so with the positive and negative change, um, your overall awareness, even before that change, is very important because you have to be clear about what you want to change and if we take something like let's say you smoke and you don't want to smoke anymore um, it's not yes there is there is a physical like chemical and you know emotional addiction to the cigarettes and that you have to deal with and you know discipline comes into it and all that stuff but why you started smoking to begin with there, there may be a pattern there that you're not even aware of. So until you become aware of that pattern, you're going to quit and start smoking again 
maybe nine or ten times, until you would deal with the, the root of what started it anyway. You're like, oh, I, I like the way this feels. And there could be any number of issues that come into it. So recognizing positive and negative change, it's, it's, not, it's not as simple as it, as it appears, unfortunately. Uh, see if you want to chime in. You know, first of all, when you talk about change, just the idea of talking about change causes a problem because you already feel that you have to change. So you have to figure out, okay, usually change, to change something, people are usually looking for an external change. They're looking for something that they want to change in their external life. In other words, like, uh, you know, they want to do better financially. They want to have a better relationship. They, they want to have this. They want, they want, they want. True change has to be internalized. From internalizing, internalizing the change, then the external will change because you'll be a different person to handle it. It's like if an alien race came down and popped open up your brain and threw all this information in, and just like ben, what Ben was saying earlier, you know, like all of a sudden you hit with the lottery and it destroys people's lives. Um, and they're just waiting for the next money to come in or whatever, whatever, however that's going to float. But if they pump all this information in you, and just because you have this information, but if you lack experience in how to use the information, uh, if you don't internalize it, the change is not going to be any good. It, you're not going to be able to really understand the changes that you made, so you haven't really truly changed. So just the idea of saying, I want change, is, is not enough. Change has to be internalized. And what that actually means is a very difficult thing to do. Um, to internalize change means that, that that could be really destructive. It can, it can really destroy and put your life in a totally different direction until you figure out what it is that you've changed into. So there's this part of change, true change, or different phases through your life. And it depends, there's little changes along the way. Like you may change the way that you're going to raise your child. And you may see somebody raising their child and say, well, I would never do that. And then you find out, well, wait a minute, I'm doing the same thing. Because now that you're in that circumstances, then you start to see why they did what they did, even though you still disagree with it, but it's just more convenient to do it this way. And uh, because it gives you more time to do things. I mean, we're all very quick to see and want the changes that we would like to see in the world or that like, we would think other people should do or that you would never do. And that's because you just lack the experience and, of being there to really experience doing it. So it first has to be internalized. And what does that mean? Well, what does it mean to internalize change? And... I mean, it can really take you on a very destructive path for, a, for quite a while until, until that change really starts to evolve, until you start to evolve and understand the changes are the things that you want to make and, and discover what's wrong or right about those changes. And what that basically means is that you have to begin by leaving your comfort zones. And you have to have that change by leaving your comfort zones. You have to recognize internally what your comfort zones are. 
And that's where it gets into know your dragon. And when you get into know your dragon, the true nature, and what I call know your dragon, is to understand the true nature of self. That's change. And that's what nobody gets. We can we 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 tend as we tend to look externally and then we tend to go somewhere else to look internally, like to go to somebody or to something, like a, a religious organization or whatever it may be, or somebody that's this, that, and the other thing, instead of seeing the symbols that are within us to wake them up to really initiate change. You know, and that change it it evokes you know, stimulation and movement, but it also, it can also be destructive and destroy, just degrade everything that you've built in your life. So it's a very, you have to walk very carefully and you have to really understand it internally before you really start to expound it externally, you know, and um, that's, you know, first, to know your dragon, to have change, is to recognize your dragon not as an enemy, something that you can slay. Or, you know, there's different types of dragon, like like in China, the dragon represents power and, and prestige. Right. In, in America, the dragon represents, you know, let's hoard the virgins and hoard the gold and sit on it and not do anything, you know, with it because we're greed. But both of those things come together. You know, the dragon, both of those, say, mythologies, exist within the human nature mm. because it's all come from the symbolism of the human nature. It's all evolved from our, from our dream state, from our concepts. So to take your dragon, first of all, and recognize it as your nature. That's the first part of change. So to see the dragon that you can't slay this dragon. You can't lock it up in a, in a, in a cave. You can't chain it because eventually it's going to reveal itself just when you think and we've all ever experienced this. Every human being in the planet's experiences. Oh, I'm over this. I no longer have lust. I no longer have want. I no longer have this. And then all of a sudden, the dragon comes out of nowhere. It's you. You're the dragon, but you don't see it. Comes out of nowhere, brings out its claws, lifts its ugly head, smiles at you, and pins you down under its claws, and then walks away. And you're like, oh, I guess my idea of change and everything i haven't really changed yet i i still need to slay the dragon no you can't slay that dragon it's a part of who you are you first have to accept it you have to understand it then you bring other symbols into it like the child who always wants to learn and always wants to know and the warrior that you have become and instead of the warrior being something that is accompanying you with the dragon with the child it becomes something that true change doesn't happen because all it does is protect you. It protects you from your ego. It protects you from discovering what your ego is. It protects you from movement. It protects you from everything because it doesn't want to be hurt anymore. It doesn't want to see the child get hurt. So it wants to slay the self. It wants to slay the dragon. And it can't because it's you're all... Well, it's you. It's your nature. See, it's just a symbol to use to help explain this a little bit easier. But, yeah, we all have our dragons, and we try to slay it. So these comfort zones that we create for ourselves, you know, these things that we put ourselves in, 
we do to, to initiate true change, you have to break your comfort zone. And you cannot just say, I'm going to do it and say, okay, I'm tired of living this way. I'm just going to go out and live in the woods. Yeah. And then you discover like, whoa, what, what the heck did I just do here? <laughs> you know, this is, this is insane. Or I'm just not going to want this anymore. I'm going to do this. It has to be internalized. So the dragon, you know, and over, the, over your lifetime, you know, it, the dragon has scales. And each scale represents a different part of your ego. Each scale represents a different part of yourself. And they become so hardened and heavy that you cannot see what's behind those scales. They, they're, they're, they're protecting. They protect you from your comfort zones, the, the idea of true change. It's like if you go into a school, a martial arts school, and I like to refer to this, and you have a black belt in another school, and you shine in that school with the community, with everything's there, and you go into uh, a mixed martial arts school, and they just destroy you. And you're just like, oh, wait a minute. So now you have a choice. Oh, they destroy you. They, they just like the stuff you're doing in your, in your environment, in your fish tank, where all the fish are doing the same thing is, and now all of a sudden you get thrown, a piranha gets thrown in there or, a, or a, a fighter fish or something that's a little bit different, something unique that you've never seen before that you, you can't deal with. It's like, oh, now that's leaving your comfort zone. So now you say, I can either go back to where I was, where I'm a superstar and everybody loves me and likes me, or if I want to really change, I'm gonna stay here swallow my pride and my ego and learn from this new environment and grow from there. And that's the best way of saying it. You know, I think earlier we talked about when I used to train with other sifus and whatnot, I always walked in with an empty piece of paper. I always walked in blank. I never brought my old self to it. I always came in anew. And when a guy did a move and stuff like that, I didn't go to my old self. I tried to stay within the environment and, and the movement that they were representing, okay. you know, even if it wasn't perfect for me. And I, and I eventually, I digested it. I internalized it. And when I internalized it, then I was able to express it. More from you. More from me. Right. And that's true change. So change has to be done internalized. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what internalization is or the, that process because uh, we're using it a lot but we're not really going into it. It's taking something and, and making it a part of you. It's one thing to say you're X, Y, and Z. It's another to take what that is and, and bring it into yourself so that it comes out. So I'll, I'll use an example for myself. I am... I'll put it I'll put it gently for now. I am a difficult person. I I was not always aware that I was a difficult person, but I be, it took a long time. <laughs> and the first part of internalization is is recognizing it. The recognition like, "Oh, I'm I'm a bit of an ass." Okay. And it was only after I accepted that that I was able to do anything about it. I am still a difficult person. I know that. That's not going to change. But you don't want to cut it off. That's the, that's the thing. Because I recognize it, I can change my the execution of it. I go, 
I'm about to say something really, really snarky. I'm about to say something that's going to hurt this person. I'm about to say something that does not need to be said at all. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and if I didn't know I was a difficult person, it might just come out. I wouldn't have as strong a filter as I have. See, that's true change because now you're... It's like, I had to see, internalize a mirror, it. Yeah. Right, a mirror of yourself. And that's where change really has to begin. Otherwise, that dragon... Oh, just... It's just going to keep coming out. And you're going to always... You know, either you don't see it or it's going to be something you do see and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. So there's a duality to that change that you're talking about, which is very good because you are sometimes a difficult person. I know. I am. You know? <laughs> but that, that... And you see it in my face and you change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not always consciously aware I'm yeah. a difficult person, but I accept that I very often can be. Right. So I go, okay, okay, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to pull it back. And... That's that's one of the hardest things. That goes into a lot of different things, especially that one. But internalizing change of perception, right, yeah. Right. But internalization. Um, I'll tell a funny story from the school. This was a number of years ago, and we had, at the time, uncharacteristically, some some young people in the class. Um, by virtue of the fact that, see, who knew the woman? We had, I think, what was he like, ten years old? Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very intelligent. Very, very... Very intelligent kid. Very intelligent young man. Who didn't um, want to do his homework because the homework was so boring for him. Yeah. You know? Anyway. We well, were... <laughs> he was so ahead of it. You know, it was yeah. just so easy. He didn't have to work at it. Yeah. You know? So we were doing what I call marching. Basically, like, we had combos and we were just moving forward doing those combos. And it's like punch, punch, jump kick or something. There was a jump kick involved. And, Sifu, you have a tone which is, um, it, it's, it's a rhetorical teaching tone. And we all did our punch, punch, jump, kick, and you look at us and you go, how do you guys think you did? And just based on the way you say it, the, the cue is, well, clearly not very well if that's how you're asking. And this kid goes, I think I did pretty great. <laughs> which was the exact wrong thing to say, because you walked up to him and he goes, well, you sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the, before you get all up in arms, the kid came up to Sifu at the end of the class and says, are, are you a dad? And he goes, no. And he goes, well, you'd make a really good dad. And that confused you. That confused me, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the fact is, that's exactly what the kid needed to hear. Because he's like, he would go around like, I'm doing a jump kick. And, you know, even a bully, like, just a little bit bigger, just would have bounced off him. And like, but my kick looked good. And he's like, well, it's not. So. Oh, yeah, realities. Yeah. <laughs> when you get into the martial arts and realities, it's really funny because you'll have people, like, they'll come by and, uh, and they'll do, a, like, a leg sweep and stuff. And in their school, it works, and you're just standing there, and they bounce off your leg. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Ben's uh, wife, who's a, a really good martial artist, uh, just experienced that with a kid that does some type of art. And I won't name the art. But it was with takedowns and stuff. And Jen is not a very big person, but she's just really solid, strong woman. Very good woman. And, and she doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't move. Like, you, you got to literally move her. you gotta, you got to fight to move her. And this guy did a move on her, and it just hit her leg, and she just stood there, and, and she just didn't know what to do. She just, like, like, moved very lightly and punched him in the head just to 
And he was just shocked. Well, you're supposed to go down. You're supposed to, that's not supposed to happen. And he was like, well, there's the wake up call. You know, like that's what I'm talking about. True change comes into like, and I don't think we've seen that guy anymore. He came and we saw that recently. and he got destroyed by, by a, a female who, you know, like probably abruised his ego, who he couldn't move. She just stood there like she was a mountain. And, you know, and... If you're going to stay in the arts, your ego's going to get... It should. A lot of The whole idea is, is, to, <laughs> is to, to, to work your way out of things, to discover things. You know, that's, and, that's and never look at your Sifu, because the Sifu is always moving differently. If he's a true Sifu or a true instructor, what he's teaching you and you see him move, there's two different things. You know, like, you're not there yet. You know, you're there to learn. And the whole idea of what, um, you know, of learning is, is to amalgamate many different styles and work and to see many different things and to not let your ego get in the way. But that's really what change is. You know, in your inter- if you don't internalize change, whatever it may be, you can use, like, like, like what happened to that young man that, yeah. that I said sucked and to the person that hit Jen and, and you know like uh, that moved against Jen and, and didn't move it's a it, harsh wake up call but it's necessary but people don't wake up yes and unless you internalize it they, they wake up and then they go back to sleep well not even they don't <laughs> even wake up they don't even recognize it ah. uh, I'll, I'll tell a quick story here I was in a a, a, a um, martial art a store, studio store and uh, I won't go into the details about what the guy knows about me but uh, it, I can probably mention who, who he is because he'd just be promoting what he does. Oh, yeah. Striking fist, he's in Woodbridge, right? Charlie's there. So without mentioning any other any names, uh, he says to me, he goes, well, why don't, you know, when people come in here, why don't you, like, and I'm not there too often, he goes, but what you do is, is what you do. How come you never show it or prove anything? Because that's why I know what you do really works because you don't talk about it. And he said, I said, because it doesn't do any good talking about it. It doesn't, People are where they are. And he goes, no, I disagree with that. He says, you should, you should show it because these people need to see what the arts really is about. And I said, well, it, each person's coming from their own perception. And they see, and you see what they want to see. He goes, well, let me tell you a story. There was this guy in here that came in and he did some uh, Tai Chi and some other pressure point system. There was another guy that came in here that was a bodyguard for a very high-level martial artist uh, at the time. And I, I won't mention any names, but, but the bodyguards are usually even tougher than the guy, you know, or has to be at least equal to the guy that they're protecting because this guy's already a great fighter and he needs a bodyguard that could, you know, like, okay, I want to challenge this guy, you know, from some guy on the street. So your bodyguard's got to be pretty tough, you know. <laughs> Maybe even tougher than the guy that he, that's out there fighting, you know, because he's handpicked by this guy, right? And this guy, uh, Charlie, had a great amount of respect for besides myself and all the millions of martial artists that come into this, this you know, place over the years. Anyway, he's standing there, and uh, this guy comes in and he hears him, and then he realizes who this guy is and who this guy is protecting. So um, he starts talking about himself and how good he is and what he does. You should come down to my school. I'll show you this stuff, that, and the other thing. I can do this to you, and you can't do anything about it. And the guy just goes, and he's a big guy, you know, and he goes, okay, show me. Right there 
Right there in Charlie's place. And this is what Charlie lives for. Like, oh, this is going to be good. And there's only like two people he feels I could do this, right? Myself and this other guy, right? And uh, he goes, uh, so the guy uh, grabs him and does this stuff, whatever he's going to try to do. And he's just standing there. Nothing's happening. You know, it's kind of like people that, you know, project their chi and do all this stuff, whatever. And he's just standing there. And he's just like this mountain of a person that he's doing whatever he's doing. That's just really, you know, like a mixed martial art guy that's out there fighting professionally. These guys are training like nine hours a day. You know, you're fighting this, you know, people that, you you know, you watch some guys get hit in the head. You're like, why are they still standing there? Like, oh, my God, definitely when they get older, they're going to be a little bit like this, you know. But right now, they're just like, stop the fight. You're watching it. Just stop the fight. I don't care how much money they're making or what they want to stop. If that guy's going to be wrecked for the life, but they could just take these hits. So this is this kind of guy he's facing, you know. And then the guy just, he, he just makes this simple move, and the guy goes flying, flying from one end of this shop if you guys ever go in there, you'll see. And to the other end of the shop, and Charlie, his shop is like all over the place. It's just like really a, a mixed mosh of disaster, you know, but he's been there for forever. And he falls into a display, and everything falls on him. And it drops on him, and the guy gets up, he's all baffled, and, 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 and he, he's really embarrassed and all this other stuff, and he gets up and he leaves. So Charlie goes, see, that proved the point. I said, well, did it, Charlie? Let me ask you something. Did you, this guy come back again? Yeah, 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 I saw him again. He came back in. And did anything change about him? Or did he have an excuse as to why that happened? And he said, okay, you're right. <laughs> Without even telling me, because of course the guy came back in and said, oh, my chi was off that day. This happened, that happened. Because he couldn't face it in his own mind. Hey, man, you just got beat by somebody that knows something. You were outmatched. If anything that you should do, you should recognize that and either add or discover or move into true change, you know, and face that, hey, if I'm going to stand against somebody like this, I got to move differently. I got to do something differently. I need to evolve my skills. But I knew from experience that that man is not going to change unless he internalized it. And if he internalized it and he walked away, and instead of looking at it like his ego getting in the way and making an excuse and then teaching other people this nonsense and who somebody goes out and believes in him and goes out in the street, somebody pulls a knife at him or he runs into a guy that's, you know, like this guy or just an extremely tough individual, and he's responsible for that student. And if the, if the student's not ready to deal with it, then he's not ready to deal with it. But if he's using what you're teaching him, then it damn well better work. You know? And obviously what he's teaching his people is crap. But that's not bad either. Because that's the stage that those people go to. Right. They feel it's, comfortable it's in that. It's fulfilling it, whatever need it fulfills in their, in their life. And... In other words, they don't want to outgrow people come their to religion, schools for you know? for tons of different reasons. Some people are like I want to learn, you know, the real thing. I want to learn combat. I want to learn X, Y, and Z. Some people just want to get in shape and look good. Some people, it's a it's a strong social outlet. But I, I think the real takeaway from the story is if you want to bring internalization into it, if you want to exact true change, get that going. Uh, viewing and observation 
are extremely important. Yeah, it's like zebras have to train with tigers and tigers have to train with zebras. You right. have to you have to you have to mix it up. Yeah. And and that's really like people go in like, "Oh, I really want to learn how to fight." When they really see how hard it is to do like you know, like we could we could put down a lot of like the mixed martial art guys that are out there or boxers or anything like that. But man, get in the ring with one of those dudes. Get in there and they're they're practicing every day. It it takes a lot. Now you may see a lot of people doing it, but it takes a lot to get into that ring and get your head smashed like that. You know, and and to train hard every day. I mean, you know, and whatever their drive or their heart or their passion is in, and then you say, "Oh well, I can do that." Well, no, you can't. You know, you really want to do it. Get out there and see if you can do it. But first, it has to be internalized. And that is in every venue of life. Business, marriage, relationships, buying a car. I mean, everything, if true change is going to come into play. Yeah. And what, you're, what you want or how you want to get there, it first has to be internalized. And you have to really be subject to opening something new. Then you're riding with the dragon. If your dragon is a little wussy right now in certain areas of its life, then you need to, okay, I recognize that I'm a little wussy in these certain areas of my life. And I want to change that. In order to change it, I don't want to train with zebras. I don't want to train with, you know, with, with this. I want to go in an environment that I may not be so comfortable with, gradually, granted, right. you know, and, and start to come into change for that it's got to take a little research you know you may have to like you don't want to go into a school that's terrifying or someplace that's stuck oh my god what the hell did i get myself into you want to kind of go in and that's where the teacher and stuff comes in and the the camaraderie with the other uh you know because like you could walk into a school let's just say or it's any type of changing or any type of environment and you look at the people that are in that school and they they look at you and they're like oh you look like like dessert yeah <laughs> you know you want somebody that's oh i understand where you're coming from and what you're trying to do and i respect that so let's not bury you <laughs> let's get you there gradually or you know that i see that you internally want to change that you you change it you know, like I would have people that would come to uh, my school that would have great legs and kicking and stuff. And then I would take like a six month student and stand in front of them and they throw their legs at them and the legs are just bouncing off of them because they were good in their in their fish tank. Yeah. You know, so, you know, uh, change is not easy thing to do. And it's not it's easy to discuss, but to. To really do it, you really, really have to be willing to lose ground, you know, and you really need to understand the nature of your dragon, where you are, really confront it and see it and say, hey, you know, I'm ready to confront change and truly want to change, not leave and come back and say, oh, I just glitched that day. No, you didn't glitch that day. You just didn't change and you just don't want to leave your comfort zone. Yeah, you got to be willing to see aspects, a lot of aspects about you that you don't like. Yes, and that's that's your trigger points, Ben. That's your trigger points. The things that you don't like are your trigger points because you need to see it. 
And yeah. if you don't see it, well, then you what, didn't internalize it. Well, that's where the observation comes in. Right. You can't, you can't run from what's staring at you. So when I came to your school, this was, I guess, nine or ten years ago now. Closer to nine. Not the point. But I was scared of everything. I was scared of a lot of things. I had tons of anxieties. I'm not saying I don't have anxieties now or fears. They still exist. But I had to get to a point where I was able to just view, just see what I was afraid of. And just be like, oh, I'm, I'm legitimately uncomfortable with this. So change doesn't come without challenge. No, no. It's, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> yep. Change does not come without challenge. There's a reason you use the metaphor for climbing the mountain. Yeah, or yeah, or just, you know, like that old saying, like, it's hard to see the face of the mountain when one is standing on it. Yeah. You know? So uh, that's not change. That's just, you're just where you are. And it's important to recognize where you are. That's being mindful. But that's what I call camping out. Yeah. And sometimes you need to camp out a little bit and see the different paths that are opening up to you. And then when you're more prepared and you have the right clothing mm-hmm. to enter into that atmosphere, then you're into that atmosphere and you can really learn from it and, and take things away from it. That's true change. You know, I compare um, a lot of like change when we talk about, uh, you know, and any change socially huh. or materially or has to happen internally first. It has to happen soulfully. So if you truly want change, it has to happen soulfully. It has to happen where you're, you start going into a room in your brain that you have never entered into before that's dark, and you're tripping over the furniture, and you're tripping over things because you don't see anything yet. And as, as you start to evolve, more light comes into the room, and more shadows start start fading away and you start getting comfortable with the furniture and then you start understanding that room and there you go whoa i'm here well now what do i do now you're going to enter into another room (laughs) that the same thing (laughs) is happening again and that's called the way that's called movement if you are in you know like I, i love fish you know especially as a kid and then when i get back myself together again i'm going to get my fish tank together yeah i was really good yeah i was really good at fish tanks you know, and I got to the point where, you know, uh, not saltwater fish tanks, freshwater African fish. I got to the point where I didn't even have to clean my tank anymore. I had everything balanced. It was like, nothing, you know, like didn't have to clean it. You know, people go in, they scrape their tanks. I was so good and I handled everything right and everything. Nothing had to be cleaned, you know. But then one day I decided to uh, take a, an African cichlid and mix it with a tropical fish. And it was just like a freaking bloodbath. Now, one also because, you know, uh, the pH is different and all that. But, you know, African fish are pretty tough. So you, you could just use tap water and they'll live in your, in your water, you know. <laughs> they're really kind of tough fish. And they're, they're the closest things to, um, to like saltwater fish, you know, without all the maintenance. Because the saltwater fish does, you don't want, dies, you don't want to flush them down the toilet, you want to have a funeral because you spent $18,000 for the damn fish, you know, African fish are a little bit cheaper, so I mixed them together, and man, it was just like, you know, just this, it was just like a bloodbath, it was like a war going on in that tank, and I realized uh, how it was told to me, and I'm not sure, I have to talk to a, bio- a marine biologist, maybe don't lie, I talk to him about yeah, it, yeah. Or, or your dad, that their eyes were placed differently. 
So Africans fish eyes were say, I'm going to just make this up. Okay. We're more to the front. The, the other fish, the uh, regular aquarium fish, their eyes are more to the back. So when they fought against each other, it went all in the same tank. They fought in a circle. When uh, the African fish, the aquarium fish fought head on. They bounced head on. So then when they met, they didn't know how to interact. And they were just killing each other. They were just tearing each other apart. They were all happy in their little tank. And then here comes this guy that's going to mix them up. What's this God doing to us? I hate this thing. Look at it. What's going on there? They're just killing each other. And they had no idea how to evolve. I always wanted to see, how many if I left them in there long enough? Would they, would they change? So maybe not because of the eye thing, but maybe they had to adapt and overcome their right. environment. And that's change. You know, what it means when you always hear that saying, to become greater than the sum of your parts, that we're greater than the sum of our parts, it's not to become greater. That's not what it's really saying. It means to understand it. And that deals an understanding of your overall consciousness, of your mind and your body, how your left hand moves different than your right hand, how it expresses itself differently, how you have to angle yourself differently. And that's all about change. So, you know, change is not, is not easy. It really is a very difficult thing to do. So people just say, oh, yeah, I want to change, you know, or I'm going to change. And what Ben said earlier, you need to recognize through trigger points yeah. the ideas of change. Like I've known Ben for a long time now, and I've known him uh, when he first came into the school and he's saying the things that he's saying. He was already, you know, a pretty dark individual and always already had some martial art experience behind him and was probably pretty good. But when he walked into with these guys that I was teaching at that point, who were even lesser than the guys I used to teach, now I look for a whole different method of teaching. I don't teach, you know, uh, guys that come in that are just really tough people. I kind of teach people how to protect themselves from those tough people. Yeah. So it's a whole different, I teach more intellectually, I would think, not people yeah. that want to go out and do mixed martial arts. Though I teach those guys as well, but it's a different type of teaching. When I came in, there was a, there was a healthy mix of, and of it was scary. aggressive, tough guys yeah. and academically minded individuals. There's right. a, there was a nice mix, and it was, it was good for both because you've, you've got these guys that are they're bigger and they're tougher and they're relying on their natural athleticism and just Nasty aggression. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're having to deal with someone who might be like of a sweeter disposition, but they get their movement, they're, they're focusing more on their movement and they're able to do something. And so both sides are a little confused. They're like... Yeah, it's oh. the fish tanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you know? it, it was it was good because it forced the more aggressive people to go. Oh, okay, maybe there's something in this. And they, and it, it, the nice thing was it kept them from writing you Sifu off as an anomaly, which happens. People go, you're like, well, no, you have to do this, and they go, well, that's just you. And and that's it's it's a it's a method of protecting the ego. Right. I think as you know, when I, I mean, how I used to teach and the type of people I used to teach from years ago to where I've taught in the middle. And now I teach people um, that that really need to, you know, build up their confidence and, and, and intellectualize things. But I, I probably will get back into when I when I'm ready uh, doing that mixed fish tank. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I will get back into that where I will have classes that are where I'll bring in people that are, you know, already tough individuals, right. people that want to do mixed martial arts and whatnot, that want to take it to a different level, take their careers or more career-minded in that way, and also people that are just, you know, I would say, um, as you said, a sweeter disposition, you know, that really want to discover more of their movement because they don't want to be bullied around or feel intimidated by yeah. that. So I will be mixing up those fish tanks again no, that's, once that's I have a great. facility that allows me to do that. Right now, I'm just concentrating more on on uh, the gray matter of, yeah. of people and getting that the mind to move through the body. It's like I have a student now who's a, a, a very uh, slender and small person. And you cannot fight like a big person. You have to understand how a big person fights. But you can't be a big person like the soul of a of a small person should know the soul of a big person. The soul of a big person should know the soul of a, a small person. Because everything that gets an, an extension, a small person could be like a spider monkey, mm -hmm. you know, and have all this movement and just, you know, like you got a big guy that, oh yeah, if I hit him, he's got to fly. Yeah, but you hit him and he flew and he gets back up because he <laughs> just, he just, you just flew him through the air. The hit didn't really connect well. And he's got to use that. So he's yeah. got to come at you more like with wind and fire. And he's got to move around. He's got to climb on, on you, pull out a little knife and just slit your throat right he's hanging on your back. And the fight's over. It has nothing to do with size. It has to deal with how you are presenting and how well you know your dragons. Using what you have versus trying to fight the way you feel you should fight. Which really initiates change, creativity, and understanding your dragon. So you, you have to internalize and, and recognize how you move before you could get better you gotta at be, moving. You've got to be your dragon. And that's how you start to grow. Yeah. You've got to accept where you are. You, you know, And that's where the spirit of a big man understands the spirit of a little man, and the spirit of a little man understands the spirit of a big man. You know, That's, that's true change. But any, anything, if you want to change, you want to become a millionaire, you want to become rich, you want to have this, you want to have that, you have to initiate You know that type. You have to see it. You have to digest it. And then when you digest it, you have to express it in a way that where you're coming from. Right. And though somebody else may be more, say, at a different level or more evolved than you may think that you are, it's only because you haven't evolved enough to see yourself. Okay, that, that brings me two important things. Kind of, Glenn, what you were talking about with the internalization and the recognition. As a writer, I'm sure you've heard this dozens of times, you got to learn all the rules before you can break them. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the same thing in kung fu. Like when you when you first learn a form, you got to learn how it's being taught, and you don't just be like no no I, this is how I express it. And like you don't know what your expression is. Shut up. <laughs> do do the form the way I'm showing it, and then let your expression come out of it. But the other thing is with change on the back end, and this you've run into this a lot. I know not you personally, but I've definitely run into it where change has already occurred but you fail to you fail to recognize the change and you're still trying to to move from where you used to be i find that's a uh, i know a lot of people like late teens early 20s who are they don't realize that the person that uh they were when they graduated high school is not the person that they are 
you know, two years into college. Or not the person that they are two years after college. Yeah. You know, that person... They're trying to hold on to certain views and beliefs that don't, when they don't recognize they've outgrown them. Yeah. You know, or, or that have grown in them and changed into something different. Yeah. I, uh, I have a student that I, I teach her writing. Or used to. She's like she's she's come along well enough where now she's a peer, but she's um she's having trouble with that. Being a peer? No, no, having trouble with uh, recognizing that she's different. Yeah. You know. Uh huh. Things have changed. What do you, Things what have do you, changed. What do you call that, Sifu? Uh, well, dra- dragging around the skin. No, you know. <laughs> All right, well, we talked about internalizing change, right? And we, we bring up the martial arts and bring up different things. But first, there's first two things we should bring up and talk about here. Kung fu or anything to initiate change, you first need to have a vehicle to initiate it. So whether it's kung fu or tennis or computers or whatever it is, you need a vehicle first to subject yourself to that you can measure your change. Let's talk about, uh, like when you said um, uh, that uh, the person that you knew from high school didn't see that they've changed since they've been out of high school. Well, let's talk about that on, a, on, on anything or a relationship scale. Let's, so we can leave the realms of what we, and bring it into like everyday life. You meet someone, you supposedly, because you know what love is, fall in love with them, Right or what you think love is, and then you marry them. And then the person that you were when you married them, five years or six years have passed, it's not the person you are anymore. And that person that you married also with five years through all the experiences of maybe having children or not having children, jobs, all of this stuff, family, all these variables come in, is not the same person anymore. So the person you married and who you were when you married them, as an example, is not the same anymore. And five years go by, or six years or seven years go by, and you find yourself saying, well, how come you don't love me the way that you used to? And how come I don't feel the same way, feel, emotionally feel the same way that I used to? Because you, you're also holding, back to the, holding on to the past. So you're not using your relationship. You're not using your marriage. You're not using everything to grow together. You're still tethering yourself back to the past to hold that, that good feeling that you had when you first had relationships or a relationship with this person so much that you decide, hey, I'm going to marry this person and think it's going to, and then life piles all this stuff you know, crap on top of you and all this stuff happens and all these trials and tribulations and and all this battle that you have to go just to even go out and buy a house. You know, all that stuff just changes you. And you find that you're like, because you didn't grow together and because you didn't move together, you know, or or, or discuss the different things that are happening, you want that same... Feeling that you had when you used to make love to each other for 10 hours and now it's like I don't want to do that anymore 
You know, I just let's just get it on, get it over with, and let's go feed the kids. Let's get, let's go out. I got things to do. It's not the same anymore. You know, and why is that? What what happened? And marriage is to anything you marry to. That's your vehicle. Whether you marry to, um, you know, what we're doing now, the podcast, which you marry to. Um, your job or you're married to business, that's your vehicle. And when you see that as a vehicle, whether it's Kung Fu or martial arts or boxing or anything like that, you use that as a vehicle to change. And in order to do that, you need to, to you know, uh, challenge and recognize your comfort zones. Because, you know, marriage in a sense is comforting. Because when you marry something, it's like, oh, I always know that this person or this thing is always going to be there for me. And then you slowly discover, well, what's happening? You know, it's not the way that it used to be. Because you stop using it as a vehicle and you use it as a comfort zone and you're struggling, struggling your whole existence of being married or whatever it is that you're married to, to try and stay in that comfort zone. Instead of seeing the vehicle to move on from it, and recognizing what love really is, then you just get stuck. So, Kung Fu, Ben, Glenn, you know, Kenny is just a vehicle to discover. And, it, and then that marriage and everything, but if you do it together, it's a, it's a little bit better. If you're walking on a way, and you're walking on that path. You're constantly moving. You're constantly going. And you enter onto that path. I think in one of our discussions, we talk about the three paths, right? And you forge your own path. Well, you are. You need to. That's your, that's your way of being creative. You're forging your path. But it doesn't mean that you're going to not intersect with other people's paths along the way where you sit and you, you can have communion with them. And you could speak and you could share information. You can grow. You can get data. And then when you feel that you're ready, you got done with your tea and scones and you're ready and you're ready to move on and you move on. It doesn't mean that they're not walking next to you or another path that's adjacent to you, but you still have to walk that path of change alone. And you may understand the other person's perception of change. And that's kind of cool because you know, Ben comes from something completely different than I do, and, and, and he may see it from this perspective, and I have to say, oh, yeah, okay, I could see that. That's cool. You know, it's not how I would approach this situation. I may hit the dude this way. You've got to hit the dude that way. But, hey, if it gets the same result, it's fine. You know, like a person that comes <laughs> to me and says, man, how do you, why can you just hit something and it just go down? And, as well, it's the way that it is, you know, but... Okay, so you got a big guy who has the same power of hitting that, and the ability to hit. So he hits, and he puts a big hole in you. And then a guy, midway guy like me, comes in, and I put a hole in you, and it's not as big as the hole that that guy puts in if he could hit the way that I do. But a hole is a hole is a hole. It still goes in one end and comes out the other end. It's still destructive, and it destroys you. So it's a matter of one's more condensed, one has more uh, more uh, bulk behind it. But no hit 
It's like what we talked about before, the little guy being hit by the big guy that doesn't know how to hit. He just flies across the room, gets back up, pulls out a knife, and kills him. If you want to hit something, you got to be able to hit it and stop it. And that's the difference. You know, it's a difference between real-life situations and change to, you know, uh, you know, just people, just two tough people fighting like Klingons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So, Sifu, you kind of actually uh, neatly wrapped up Glenn's question from early on. You, you were talking about positive change, what it is, negative change. And when you take in to everything that's come up so far, internalization, recognition, observation, and all that fun stuff, and you bring it together, the positive change comes about from that path. It's, it's, you're an active participant in that change, and with the internalization, it becomes true change. Negative change is more like the stuff... Change is going to happen either way. But negative change is really going to happen if you don't have an active part in it and you let it. So let's say I'm not a, I'm not a kid anymore. If I was still eating like I was in high school, I would have a much different shape. It would be significantly rounder. Um, you know, if, if you've never been around a, a, you know, a guy in high school and seen how much they eat, it's... It's, it's ridiculous. Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> how much? How much we used to eat. Like I'm. I'm not even. A, I'm not a very big person in general. But I'm still. You know. Like. It wasn't unusual for me to have like four toast, half dozen eggs, side of rice, and still eat something afterwards. Yeah. You're just like half dozen eggs. That's good, right? You're just like, are you gonna finish that? Yeah. And you. You just. You're a high school guy, and it just happens. And I imagine you, like Sifu, you would talk about. You're just like, I would just eat pizzas, like a whole pizza. <laughs> I love pizza. Yeah, but that's the thing. But like, I, still, I don't have any pizza. But, but that's the thing. Like, I can't do that now. If I ate a half dozen eggs now, I'd be like a tranked bear. I'm just going to take a nap. <laughs> It'd be awful. But that's the type of change. That'd be the failure to recognize that I'm not the same person. And it'd be one of those changes that I just let happen. Whereas you go, oh, I'm not. If I, if I go talk to someone like Devish, and he's like, you got to change your diet. And I go, I have to become an active participant in that change. I have to make it a part of me. I can't be like, well, I ate what Devish said yesterday, so today I can eat a whole ham. No. <laughs> that's that's just, just lying. So that's a very material view of it, but it goes into all the stuff that's coming. So if, if you want to make a true and positive change... You got to recognize where you are, where you're trying to go, what you want to do, and internalize what you want to do to change it, and be an active participant in that new, whatever it is, lifestyle, viewpoint, belief. You know, no matter. I I can have a poster on my wall that says, "Don't be an ass," and I'll go, "Okay." But unless I'm in a situation and I go, oh, I'm, I'm being an ass, and pull it back, it's not going to do anything. And that's the real, the real difference as far as internalization. Well, if we bring internalization into it, and a lot of things that, that we're talking about change here, right? So that's cool. But I think a lot of part of change is that we 
also don't see when you talk about negative change. Hmm. In our minds, you know, you hear that expression that we're a legend in our own mind. And what that actually is saying is that a lot of times these changes that you make in yourself and what could be a negative change is that you expect other people want to recognize those changes. It's not like, oh, yeah, I just lost 180 pounds. People see that there's a change. Well, how did you do that? But when you talk about internalizing change, things that you want to change socially Mm. or, or whatnot, are things that you would like to see change in the world. When you internalize change, you're not really concerned about change in the world. You are just concerned about what you express into it. That's positive versus negative. When it's negative, in your mind, you have in your head, if I was president of the United States of America, I would do this, and it would change. I would do this, and this would change. If I wanted to initiate something within my company or within my job or whatever it is, then everyone's got to get it. And that is negative change. People don't get it. What it is, true change and internalizing change, is that you represent it in yourself. That comes out through your expression, but it's not necessarily like, hey, I want you to punch and move the way that I move. I want you to see the things that I say. I think we should change the company, take the company in this direction. People don't get it. Yeah. And if you think that people have got to get it, that's negative change. And in your fantasies, you may have an argument with your boss, your, your spouse, and from my perspective and my change, you should just see what it is that I'm saying. And then when you do try it, and in your, in your mind, legend in your own mind, the scenarios are going exactly the way you want it. Oh, wow, I get what you're saying. Or, wow, you really hurt me there with what you said. And then when you really do it, and you, it's like, what? You know, where this person, why, why are they saying that? I didn't see that. Or, 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 but, but, and you're just, just off the keel. That's negative change. Yeah. So change has to be something that you truly become and you truly represent. Change does not necessarily, and negative change, mean that the people around you are going to get it and change with you. And a big part of our social change in ourselves is like, oh, I, I'm going to run this this way. I'm going to be married this way. Or this is how what's going to happen when I raise my kids. Or this is what's going to... And you're not getting it. You know? Like, you need first to have true change in yourself. Hmm. You need to express that change. But it does not necessarily mean that the people around you are going to change. If they see something in it, and they question it, and they ask, hey, wait... Why do you think this way? Why do you move this way? Okay, you want to step more into this world. Okay, I'll show you what I am doing or what I did. And they may be coming from an earth element and or, or, or steel element or a fire element, you know, and you're coming from a wood element, and somehow you got to get on the same page, metaphorically speaking. Right. All right, so a wood element has to somehow try to express itself differently to the fire element. And the fire element then says, oh, uh, I'm starting to see this. But change isn't something that other people are going to get. True change is you get it. And you stand by that. And if people see that, they'll respect it. They may not even want to be it, you know, but they'll respect it, they'll see it, and they may... 
learn something from it. But negative change is thinking that you're going to change them. You know, now if a person gets involved in your life, like through a marriage or through a friendship or something like that, and they're coming to you for something, then you have to be able to balance that out. And it's a long path to self or, or to communicating with just one individual. You know, you could be saying red and they're hearing green, you know, and it takes a long time of communication even if they feel that, hey, man, I want to be able to do what you do. Okay, here's what you have to do. Why are you doing this? Well, you told me to do blue. No, I told you to do red. Why are you doing blue? You should be doing red. It's, it's a big process. And two people have to be able to, that's why marriage is so difficult. You know, they have to be willing to break down barriers, to break down comfort zones. But first, it has to be internal. It has to be you, really you, wherever you are at that particular moment or phase of your life. It has to be, you have to be present. And that will initiate change, but you could care less if that person changes, you know, because you are the one that's changed. If they do decide to go that way, then... Of course, there's emotions and that soup earlier we were talking about with love and stuff that come into, game, come into the game. But you first have to be present, what Ben, you call gravity well, oh. you know. And if you have that gravity well, then you are still moving the way and you're still going on the way. You're still open to change in yourself. You're never really like, this is who I am. I have my black belt. I've stopped here. I'm a master at tennis. I stop here. I'm a master swimmer. No. That's just the beginning. You know, you got to keep going from there, but you represent that change. It's always in the motion and the movement. Yeah, but you don't, but you don't represent that change in others. You know, no. you don't feel that, oh, I'm going to walk in there, I'm going to say this, and everyone's got to get it. it, it no, it never happens. <laughs> it never really, it really never does. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. You know, so negative change to me is thinking that you're going to change somebody else. Right. If, you want something like we got together. You don't realize, maybe Ben now does, but you don't realize how much time and energy, which is what Kung Fu is, time and energy, it took to get the three of us in this room. Years and years, it started back such a long time ago for this to evolve into now, that we're at least somewhat on some type of page where we're actually like, hey, you know, I think this is a really cool thing to do. Let's do it. Let's get what we're out there. Now we're writing a book. We're doing other things. Other things are coming in. It, it's a big process. But I can't say, okay, unless you worked for me. Yeah. And I say, we're doing this. And force change down your throat. Then I'd be like Darth Vader. Yeah. I mean, you could Darth Vader. like, get in the room or I'll beat the crap out of the right. three of you. Basically, government too. People are too stupid to govern themselves. So we're going to govern. The few rule the many. You know, so, okay, that's the way it is. But true change, you rule yourself. You may get stabbed. It may take your life, things, but you still belong to you, you know. And right now, as, as a human race here anyway, you know, we're on the top of the food chain. Mm. You know, unless you go into a shark tank, then they're on the top of the full chain, and and you better recognize that. You know, I, mean, I better bring some stuff with me I'm, because I'm, not, the I'm not at the top of the food chain anymore. They move faster. I'm out of my environment. You know, but 
when that shark or that bear may be crushing your skull and doing all the things, at least you, it doesn't take what you are away. It may take you physically, you know, it may crush your temple or, or, or cripple you, but who you are is still who you are, you know, um, as far as true change goes. But then you have to be ready. All of a sudden, like if you guys are doing what you're doing now and you get a disease that's killing you or you get in an accident where you can't walk anymore, you know, as we talked earlier, then there has to be changes made, which are got to, if your temple changes, obviously your perception of change has got to change as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you simply can't just like, you know, Kenny has been eating the whole time we've been here. He's been very quiet about it, but he's up and down. Up and down, he's going to get his piece of cheese, he's got to get his bread, he's got to get his dried fruit things, you know. And he gets up and walks down the stairs, comes back, and he sits down with his food. But if he couldn't walk, all of a sudden, boom, he's in an accident and he's sitting here, what's he got to do? You know, like, okay, so oh, I'm hungry. So now he has to prepare differently. Wait a minute, last time I made a faux pas. I'm bringing, I'm going to have a little mini refrigerator right next to my chair because I can't leave and go down these stairs anymore. And I'm going to have all my food there and I'm going to be very quiet about getting it out while I'm, while I'm, you know, tweaking the, <laughs> the sound on this, you know. That is a whole different change. But the initial Kenny is still there, you know, what he's evolved to. Now he just has to add to it or add something different. If all of a sudden, you know, you lost an arm or an eye. You know, like, have you ever tried to just walk around, put a put a patch on your eye and walk around your house? I, uh, I injured my left eye, like... Everything changes. Like like you're brushing your... Everything ago. changes. Yeah, you, you, you miss your mouth trying to... Trying, trying to, to eat. Eat. There's no depth perception. There you go. There's change. There's the way. So first, you need to internalize change. And you also, like when you talk about negative change, you can't think that because you've changed that you're going to change the world or others. No. You just have to be true to yourself. And if you're true to yourself, then people will respect that, and then it will initiate change in others. But first, it's you. Understanding your temple, understanding all the things that make you what you are. And if you get married... And you're not married first to who and what you are. And you marry somebody and you think that things, you got to, oh, we're going to just change. And if you don't work at it, it's, it's not going to work. You know, and, and you're going to outgrow each other. You will grow in different directions. Who you were, if you guys have, are, are, you know, the two are Ben, are, are realize Ben's married. You're probably going to get married. Now, when you first met your girls, to where you are right now, are you the same people when you first met them? No. What makes you think that five years from now or ten years from now, especially when you start having kids, you start going through all the things oh. of your home, all the stuff that you're going to like, oh, man, there was a time when I was with my girl, we, we were like rabbits. And now she still wants to be like a rabbit, but I don't want to be like a rabbit anymore. And I just can't go in and make love to her. I gotta make her do all this necking. We gotta do all this petting. We gotta do all this. I just want to go and bang her and get the hell out of there. But no, I can't do that. And if I do do that, then I kind of feel guilty. Like, am I using my wife? And it's because you're just not on the same page. And you know, and you're like, you're still holding on to the. You haven't evolved 
and grown together and understand and you're still hung up on that fantasy of what you think love is man you guys are so short from what love is like you talk about soup you know yeah there's all this stuff there's the biological there's this chemistry there's the phase of the life you're going through there's the time you know where you are physically as as a as a man and a woman you know, and you guys, you got nothing, right? Right now, your wives are young, right? Wait till they get to their 40s and their sexual peak goes up and you're still back like, oh, man. And they're just ready to rock and roll. They're just getting going in their 40s. Oh, man, I've been through that. So that is not easy. That is not easy. You got to come in and like, hey, man, it's easy for you to, you know, just to come in and make love because you just do what you do. It's easy. Just boom. You could lubricate anything. Man can't do that. You can't do that. You got to like, oh my God. What happened to the guy I married? What happened to the guy five years ago? What happened when we went, boy, you just couldn't get enough of me. And now, now, you know, I put on clothes. I do all this stuff. And you still like, you just want to come home and go to bed. Honey, I'm tired. You know the roles like you hear in the old stuff. Oh, honey, you know, oh, come on, honey, let's go. You know. Uh, I have a headache. No, the roles are reversed. The men are saying, man, I, I, I have a headache. <laughs> I want to go. And then when you're young, you get a text message. I just saw this thing about, you know, uh, a young guy, he gets text by a girl. Like, I'm really, I'm alone right now, and I really am horny. And then it shows, like, them, like, racing to get over there. Well, five years go by. He goes, hey, I'm alone right now. I'm really horny. So, uh, Bob, you want to go out and go fishing? <laughs> you know, like... Damn, it's not the same because you don't recognize change. And you think that's love. And that is not love. That has nothing to do with love. That is just growth. And when you talk about change, if you internalize it, you can do something about being that way. But marriage, marriage first has to come with communion of self. And that has to be there. That has to be present in anything that you do to have recognized change in self and that whether you're in a relationship, and I know this is all fun stuff and a lot of people, both men and women, can see this, you know, because the social communal, communal issues with male and female relationships or male and male relationships, because it's still our female and female relationships, they're still, you know, the same. But... Unless it's internalized and you represent something within yourself, then other people will, will, will see and respect that. But it has to stand first with you. That's true change. What were you going to say, Ben? I see the hand coming up. And, no, and I, just, I just think uh, we, we, you summed it up pretty well. Um, we've got a really nice segue for communication for next time because that's a lot of what we talked about today requires... Not just communication with other people. But communicating with yourself. Yeah. And what type of language you use and all that fun stuff. Real quick, before we close it out, I've got to ask. All of this sounds like it's not easy, right? Change isn't easy. Uh, being true to yourself, it's not easy. And we talked a lot about comfort. So really, I guess what I want to ask is, Is comfort the enemy? And how, if so, if not, how do you know when too much comfort is too much or when 
there's not enough comfort. Well, that's what I call camping out. So there's a certain point in your life where, where, where you are where you are, and if you want to initiate change or growth, like uh, Ben has really um, has improved in the martial arts, and now I have Kenny who come in from having a black belt in, in another field who had to leave his comfort zones to, to come into this field and recognize something within himself that he wanted to change. And, you know, I'm always yelling at Kenny. Kenny, your kicks are floating. Get them down. Get this, that, and the other thing, you know. And then Kenny just had uh, an experience that was a real-life experience, and he handled it really well. So, you know, uh, for a while, he was camping out. He recognized that he wanted to make a move, you know, and he saw it came into a school that was the way it was, but he saw that the school was dealing more with, you know, really improving one center, their, or their abilities. Not Kenny wasn't interested in going and going into a ring or doing anything like that. He really wanted to grasp something that was more real for him. So in that point, he stopped camping out and he recognized that. Now, he may have not recognized it through the students that were there, but he definitely recognized it through, through me and said, oh, there's, this guy's teaching reality. You know, what to do if somebody really comes at you with a knife. Not, you know, what to do if somebody's really coming at you with a hammer. You know, this is the stuff I really want to learn as far as interacting physically. And what I've learned from what I was doing before is good within that fish tank. But, man, this guy takes you out of every scenario and put you in every scenario no matter how badass you are or how sweet you may be it's stuff i want to learn so he left his campsite he saw a path he moved from that and he moved that's how you start to move out of your comfort zones where you and that's where you start to accept where it is that you want to go so there's nothing wrong with being comfortable but when you make that decision to move out of it you are leaving your campsite. You feel that you're ready to move on and move along the way again. But you have to first recognize your campsite. And it doesn't mean you don't take some of these comforts with you. If I'm going on a, uh, to live out in the wilderness, or I'm going on an adventure into the woods, or if I need to bug out and something's bad here, I'm going to take things that are going to make it easier for me if I can't hold on to those things. You know, I'm going to take medicine in case I get sick. I'm going to take the proper clothing. I'm going to take some type of weaponry to, to, to hunt or to do things with. I'm going to take these comforts. The cool thing is, is when you could do it without the comforts. So when you've got to bug out and there's nothing there but you. And that's kind of like how I want to teach, how you use your vessel. But man, you still want to take your comfort. You want to take a pair of binoculars that are going to help you see things clear or night vision or any of those things that are going to make it easier for you. But you also want to be able to see that you can do it if you were just just you. You know, can you start a fire without matches? You know, so comforts, you could take them with you and hold on to them and maybe improve on them and improve on ways to make your life easier. But that is, you know, uh, what I believe is, um, you know, like, uh, you know, that Indian that, story I told you about that Indian. Remember, I was telling you this story. There was this story I was reading about this guy that comes in and he's talking to this old Indian. He goes, oh man, 
can you really just start a fire, just be out in the woods and just start a fire with nothing and this, that, and the other thing? And do all, and the guy, the Indian is looking at him, you know, like... The old goes, Native American guy. Yeah, old Native American guy. There's a funny story. And the guy goes, and you could do this, you could... He goes, so how do you do that? He goes, I usually carry a lighter. <laughs> or I have a match. And he goes, but, 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 but... He goes, yeah, I can do that, but why would I want to? I'm just going to carry a lighter with me and... Start to fight. It's so much easier than going out and finding the stuff you need and doing all this and making feathers and all of that to, to start. I'm just going to, but if I have to, yeah. And that was the point. That's the important part. He's able to. So I'm, I'm, I'm very big, I'm very pro comfort. I like comfort too much. You and me both, man. But the, well, you the, and the world, everybody does. That's the issue. As long as long as the comfort doesn't, you can't have any growth without struggle. That's just what it comes down to. And if the comfort gets in the way of the growth by like hindering the struggle, it's just like, don't climb a mountain the hard way. Just take a Humvee up the side. You're just like, well, I'm not really climbing the mountain anymore. But what we, we, what we just also talking about environment, right? There was some uh, thing where you talk about, you know, uh, the na- the Navy SEALs got misplaced on some uh, uh, island. Uh, who was talking about that? Me. Kenny. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny. Was about. Right, and they got misplaced <laughs> on it, and they were, they had a, and they were in a spot where they wanted to be. They were in a hostile, hostile, hostile area. Hostile area with headhunters. But yeah, like, and the, the, the local Maybe, maybe they were smaller people, people or this, but, and, but they used poison weapons and blow darts. And, and they wiped them out. Completely, they were at home on their terrain. Right. I mean, and here's all the comforts they had, military comforts, you know, all the modern technology, the big guns, well-trained. Obviously, these guys are very well-trained, hold their breaths for 10 years. They could, you know, deal with mace. But a little poison dart from some little guy sitting behind a bush that they couldn't see. It's coming from an unknown area. Like, and it's just, like, that's it, and they're yeah. gone, and it kills them instantly. And they couldn't find them, and their, their guns and all. It's kind of like, uh, remember that show Alien? I love that part, Alien, uh, the one where the, the thing comes out of the oh, stomach. Yeah. And there was, an, there was the second one where the Marines go to the place, and the Marines are so tough. And they meet these aliens that have no armament. Yeah. But, you know, you shoot them, acid comes out at you. Like, how do you kill this thing? You burn after you shoot them. And they're just, the Marines are getting their butts kicked, you know, with all their technology, just fighting the rawness of this creature. It's like, you know, environment has a lot to do with it yes you know and uh and comfort zones like people go oh you know Sifu, you're going on a vacation you're going to thailand uh, what do you got to do you got to go out and live in a... no i'm going to a seven i'm going to the major i don't want to want to do anything i just yeah. want to relax be driven around and people point at things oh look there's a tiger oh that's nice you know <laughs> you know and i'm in a car behind a cage i'm not out there with my bazooka walking around in the woods yeah. now if i do do that I will do that, but I have to have the mindset to do that. But when I go, I just want to be comfortable on vacation. I don't yeah. want to... Well, stream. no, no, vacation is yeah. a different thing. He's talking about if you're moving forward, if you're working towards something, the comfort has to come in balance. So, like, let's say you're doing form. You don't get in a real high stance and you're like, I'm comfortable here. You're not working the form then. But you may not get as low as if someone's sitting on your shoulders because you may end up hurting yourself or destroy your body. So you have to you have to balance it out. You gotta figure out where you're working the form and how you're moving from it 
to get something out of it. The same thing with writing. So if I put you in one of those big old electric massage chairs and I get you a nice comfortable laptop and you're like, I'm going to write. And I come in and you know, you're like, you got a beer on one side, you got a tea on the other. And you're like, I'm in perfect writing position. I come in 15 minutes later, you're asleep. You're just going to be asleep. And you'll be having like, you'll have a freaking YouTube video of, of someone fishing. Probably. Yeah. That's, that's too much comfort. You know, I'm not saying put yourself on, like, you know, a knotted piece of wood and, you know, with, like, pen and paper that you've made yourself. That's that's insane. There's no point in that. But, you know, you'll get in yourself, you'll set yourself up, you'll have your laptop, you'll have whatever you write on, and you'll, you know, design the environment. So the, the writing is the struggle there. Just getting what you have in your head onto a page is the struggle. Yeah, that's, that's the uncomfortable part. Right. So you don't need to add on to that unnecessarily unless it helps. You're like, oh, you know, if I do this by candlelight, I don't know, it just, you know, changes the way. Like, this lighting helps me think. Like, being cold is uncomfortable, but I write better, faster. There's a sense of urgency for me. You know, that, that's, that comes down to a personal choice. But... Again, if you go on the other end of it, you're like, oh, I'm just going to put my laptop on my bed, kind of right on my stomach. I can't really type properly. You know, maybe that's that's getting in the way of what you're trying to yeah. do. Yeah, sometimes you have to create a different environment to inspire what you want to do. Sometimes people have to, you know, go to a coffee shop or, or some other environment or, or where they can actually work on it because their environment is not conducive to what they want to do. When I, when I did, I, I reverted back to a very simplistic life. So, but when I used to have a home, I had a five bedroom home and I, I created one of the rooms to, to be conducive to an environment where I could go in and I can read. Everything that was in that room represented me at the time. Hmm. What, the artwork, uh, what was on the walls, the books I had in there was all to inspire me to write or research, and back then I was doing a lot of personal research, and it was kind of like my uh, sanctuary, you know, where I would go into that room and I would sit in there and create an environment, and I would even have you know my coffee pot in there and uh, the teas that I liked, everything right there, so that I could just, you know, absorb myself in that environment. Right. I I think that was how I, I set it up, and how with you guys with writing or even the projects we're doing now, it's, it's very important to create an environment that's conducive to that. And sometimes you do have to leave. Yeah. Or you have to just go out and go for a walk and think and, and write things down or, you know, go someplace that uh, aesthetically uh, is more pleasing to stimulate what you need to do. And sometimes you develop a, a connection. Like if you, if we come into this room, this is the room we've been doing podcasts in. If we just come out here to hang out on a random day, you might have some sort of Pavlovian response where you're like, maybe we should do a podcast. And you, you kind of want that. I mean, whether it's the environment or whether it's just something else. Like if you're always like, see you wear the cowboy boots. If you only wear certain cowboy boots for like nice occasions, like weddings or going into the city or something, you know, and you break out those cowboy boots, you may start to feel that connection. Be like, hey, I want to, I want to go somewhere nice. I want to go into the city. And it's just 
whether it's an environment or developed connection, that's very important for the comfort. And what you don't want to do is, you know, in your house, you're like, oh, I'm, you know, certain places in your house, you, you may be too comfortable to really bring out that sword and accomplish what you're trying to accomplish because you're fighting against that connection that's already been established. You know, changing the topic just a little bit, I think we've kind of closed this up, right? It's kind of good. I, I, I do want to bring something out before we uh, end it about that Ben mentioned earlier about form. And um, form uh, meaning is a series of movements that, so for people that are listening, you know, some people may not even understand what form is. Like you'll see um, Jet Li, or you'll see uh, these other people get out there and they're doing all these movements. Some do forms of, uh, you know, like praying mantis, some do crane, some do tiger, you know, some do leopard, some do dog, all forms. And I think there's a misconception of form. Um, and I just want to clarify what form actually is. Uh, there's this great fighter that I liked. Uh, what, Boss Rutten? Boss Rutten, right? Yeah. I, I, I like him. I, I like him as... I, I don't really watch the fight game too much because it's, you know, sometimes it's just too brutal for me to... No, I like these, Boss a lot. Yeah, getting hurt. well-spoken dude. And yeah, didn't he... He was in the movie uh, Bring on the Boom or... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I can't... Yeah, I don't remember yeah, the exact title. Yeah, yeah. It was a great movie. But anyway, just to, to clarify it, I've seen him in a, in, in, a, in a fight where he gets out before he fights and he's making fun of people that are doing forms, you know? And I totally agree with him. And uh, because people take their form and they literally use that form as a method of fighting. And you see like still shows like The Matrix or Jet Li where they're doing these kicks from back of the head and all this other weird stuff. And then you stand in front of a guy like that and he just buries you because they're doing, they're doing like these wavy hand movements or what. That's not form. What form really is, it's just a slice of a pie. So form work and anything that you do, you bring form to it. You're writing, you're driving, making love. Everything has a form. It's just a slice of the pie. The idea of form is to get the mind, the mechanics of the mind, to connect with the mechanics of the body. It's not a, basically a fighting system. It's a part of combat. It's a part of a fighting system to help you connect with your overall body consciousness. That's what form traditionally, to me, was designed for. It wasn't designed to say that this is the art. Oh, you learn this, you learn that. Now, I have a form that I don't teach anybody that I will teach my advanced instructors that I have kept for myself, which comes more from the concepts of real-life experience fighting and how to use it. And so it's, it's not as abstract as other forms go. But the reason why they're developed that way is to have an overall mind and body connection, to understand the differences between your left hand and your right hand, how your visual is moving and how things are going. The same thing in writing or the same thing in moving or changing your environment. Good form means good results. And it's just a slice of the puzzle to help you get there. So form, um, is very misunderstood because people think that form, you learn form and you've got to glow in the dark when you do it so much behind the bush and be able to go out and like 
woo, and do stuff. It's really what happens is, is that you just have an overall better concept of overall body movement, you know, and then that can be taken into the realm of physical aggression or defense or movement. Like if your kicks are coming up too high or this, that, and the other thing, or you're sitting with your laptop on your, you know, on your belly in bed, you know, that's bad form. So form is really an overall body connectedness. And, you know, I was, and when I saw, uh, uh, what's his uh, fellow's name? Boss uh, Rutten. Boss Rutten doing that, I was laughing because he's, he's very right in what he's doing because the concept of, that's that reality of what Charlie was saying when that guy got hit and went across the room. Hmm. You know, like, you know, your forms aren't going to save you. That's not the art. The art is really expressing good form with yourself. Over the years... It helps you connect better to your overall mind and body consciousness. So you just move better. And how you just take that and adjacent to physical movement or aggression or violent situations or fighting or, or writing or driving your car or making love or eating. It all has to come under the heading of good form. And I love that expression. When somebody does something right, they're playing tennis, poof, and then you hear that, the guy goes, wow, that was really good form. He got it. It wasn't that. It was all form. It was a process. And I just wanted to clarify for the people that are listening what form really is, you know? So, till next time. Till next time. Grow, learn, teach, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Way of Violent Realization. If you'd like to see or hear more, you can check out the website, systemswithinsystems.com. We have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page that you find the links for. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to our email, sws.kungfu at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you.